Thanks to Harry's for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades, they'll give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash fool. Just pay for the shipping. It's Thursday, January 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, the head of Motley Fool Asia, Brian Richards. Thanks for being here. Chris, thanks for having me. True confession, I wanted to have you on right when you got back from your trip, but I figured jet lag being what it is, that would not be fair to you, probably not fair to me or the listeners. So I, 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 I appreciate I, that. I was like, I'm going to hold off. I'll have Brian at the end of the week. <laughs> um, but I, I, I did want to get you in here to talk about your trip, because you just uh, got back from Hong Kong and Tokyo. Let's start with the beginning of your trip. You went to Hong Kong, and one of the things, and this is one of the reasons I like to follow you. I I like to follow you on Twitter for a couple of reasons. One of them is you don't tweet a lot, and when you do, it's high quality stuff. And in this case, it started with you tweeting, "I'm getting on a 16-hour flight, and there's no internet." Oh my God! I need a drink. That kind of thing. Yeah, uh, actually, <laughs> I had just gotten off the sixteen hours. Oh, okay. Flight. Yeah, so we we went from from here to Dallas and then Dallas to Hong Kong, which is sixteen hours. I I, I thought, you know what? About four hours in, after I'd watched two movies already, and I said, I've got twelve hours to go. I'll just <laughs> pop the internet on here, and you know, I can I can see what's going on. There were some football games on. Wanted to see what's going, on. and um, the onboard Wi-Fi. Connected enough to accept my credit card payment, oh. <laughs> and and then um, and then stop working after that. So for and I tried. I mean, I tried for a good ninety minutes, and it just didn't didn't work. I don't think I've been without the internet for sixteen hours in one stretch since I had a smartphone in my pocket. <laughs> so, so it was tough. You survived though. I survived. So uh, you get there, and and this was the first thing that caught my attention after you got there was uh, something that you had learned from an investor in Hong Kong. The what you referred to as the four three two one approach yep. to asset allocation. I had never heard this before, um, and we were speaking to an investor in Hong Kong, really smart guy, who said um, one of the common rules of thumb for Hong Kong investors is what they call 4321, which is 40% of your portfolio is in property, 30% in equities, 20% in bonds, and 10% in cash. And um, it makes sense from the perspective of Hong Kong being a real estate market that is uh, hot and has been hot for the better part of 40 years. Um, in fact, it's the, it's the second highest priced real estate market in the world behind only uh, Monaco. Um, and the opening up of you know the, the handover from Great Britain to, to China in 97, a lot of um, a lot of mainland China money has flowed into Hong Kong property. It's become very uh, pricey. It's hard to buy a place unless you use extreme amounts of leverage. Um, and and so you know that sort of struck with me um, because also while we were there the the benchmark Stock index for Hong Kong is called the the Hang Seng index, um, hit an all time high when we were there, um, and uh, we spoke to another investor about that who was a little bit uh, less 
bullish on property in general um, for Hong Kong, and said he had just finished uh, this this long study of um, the Hong Kong markets, and said over 50 years the Hang Seng Index has returned 10% without dividends, so something like 12% with dividends, and the big misconception that that he sees walking around and listening to people is that. Um, real estate is is what you know. You save your money to put in real estate, and he said, real estate uh, has only returned eight percent over the same time frame. So, so stocks actually beat property um, and um, and bonds and in cash as well. So, um, so yeah, the whole four three two one. I'd never heard that. I've never heard anyone outside of Hong Kong ever ever say that, even in in property crazed markets like London and Singapore. Um, and it turns out like that's if you're going to live in a house, then maybe you know, maybe that would make sense. But um, as far as investing goes, stocks are still your best long-term bet. Well, and I think particularly for younger people, just the idea that seventy percent of your approach would have nothing to do with stocks. Mm. I mean, if you're a younger person, and by younger I mean anyone under the age of fifty, <laughs> I, totally that, that that just seems like you're really. Totally agree. It, it, it's the old saying of, you know, the the greatest risk is not taking enough risk. Yeah. And, and in this case, it, do you think part of it is just because there are so many people here in the U.S. and around the world who who equate the stock market with a casino and just think, well, that's just that's a rig. Whether they think it's a rig system or not, they think it's too risky. Is that part of that mentality, or is it the fact that, look, even though stocks have beaten. Real estate, they haven't crushed real estate, mm. and if the if the markets if the real estate market is at an all time high, I at least understand that portion of it. It's the thirty percent that's bonds and and cash that uh, is is a little bit more surprising to me. Um, I mean, a couple couple quick responses. First, um, it's it's a shame that that's true. There's here's a here's an, an, an interesting nugget. There's no dividend tax in Hong Kong. Um, so, if you collect a dividend from a stock that you own, you get to pocket all of that dividend, which is which is pretty pretty attractive. Holy cow! Does Ron Gross know about this? <laughs> um, <laughs> He's going to move there in a heartbeat. And and so you see banks like HSBC and, and Hang Seng Bank um, yielding you know three to four percent, and you could collect that tax free, and. You've got the obviously you've got the underlying capital appreciation potential as well, um, and so I, stocks seem to make a lot of sense, particularly if you have a long-term holding period. There is, however, um, a sense in Hong Kong, and this is this is my sense. I don't I wouldn't say this is uber scientific, but it does seem to be more of a speculative market than a buy and hold or buy buy to hold market, um, in the sense that investors. Are have short uh, holding periods um, and are trading. You know, we we heard the word day trade a lot. And I feel like day trade is something that's like a relic of you know the early aughts, where you know you think about people getting their first e trade account and and you know and, and trading Intel before launch and then getting out of it after launch kind of thing. And that apparently is still the mentality in in Hong Kong. It's not a long term um, focused market. And um, and so you know, I guess if you contrast that with people typically hold bonds, people typically hold property, um, and and cash is always sort of a, a hedge. It's the most liquid thing you can have, and it gives it 
gives you optionality. Um, and so I, I don't know, it's like the 30% that should be long-term isn't. And, um, and that 30% should be inverted. It should be 70%. It should be more. For anyone who thinks that there's a lot of talk about Bitcoin here in the United States, and there is, just in terms of sort of the oxygen that is taken up, that appears to pale in comparison to <laughs> to Bitcoin in Tokyo. I'd read something in the Wall Street Journal in December that um, something like forty percent of Bitcoin trading volume. So worldwide, there's. Um, everybody trading Bitcoin in the world, forty percent was denominated in yen. So um, that's a pretty crazy stat. <laughs> and um, the Japanese government has embraced it. They've they've taken the regulate tax um, approach, not the you know the, the the Chinese approach or the South Korean approach. Is um, you know get it the hell out of here. Basically, yeah. we don't want anything to do with it. And and so it's really encouraging. And, and when uh, the current prime minister of Japan um, took power um, earlier this decade, Shinzo Abe. Um, he undertook something called Abenomics and was trying to fight this um, decades-long spiral of deflation and economic stagnation in Japan, and um, was willing to take risks with the the yen and the Japanese currency. So it created earlier in this decade, it created this culture of currency traders. So one thing we've heard is that, yeah, not a lot of people go on and trade stocks, but a few years ago they were trading currencies like crazy, um, which is something, again, you never really hear that from Americans. <laughs> um, and so to Bitcoin, you know, walking around Tokyo, you walk around pretty much any. Um, Shopping district in Tokyo. Look up, and you'll see billboards for Coca-Cola and ANA Airlines and Bitcoin. And these are physical Bitcoin billboards that are pointing you to a website where you can trade Bitcoin or or whatever. So th that's the thing that blew my mind. And you had tweeted a photo of this. That look, if you're in our line of work, if you're an investor, if you're anyone who consumes financial news in the United States, then yes, certainly over the last year, you've run into coverage of Bitcoin. It has taken up a, a, a decent amount of the oxygen. There are plenty of people who are not who are just going about their daily lives. They're not interested in investing in that sort of thing. And, and so, maybe it comes up in conversation here or there, but it's, but it's not literally in their face. As it appears to be in Tokyo, like again, if you're just walking, it doesn't matter if you're an investor in the stock market or not. You look up and you're being bombarded with advertisements and promotions for Bitcoin. It's everywhere. I mean, I think the Japanese have um, a real proclivity towards technology. So there's there's a lot of great technology companies there. Um, they are heavy users of technology. They're investing a lot in things like AI. Um, they've Created, um, you know, zany new inventions like um, a, a, a dryer that will fold your clothes for you, um, and then you know a machine will do it. So you know, the, if you if you go around Tokyo or in Japan at all, you'll see there are vending machines everywhere. There's there's a big focus on um, automation and technology. Combining that with the anecdote I mentioned a few minutes ago about their um, Sort of currency speculative streak. I mean, that's 
those are, that's the perfect conditions for those are the perfect conditions for Bitcoin to, to really take off amongst the general population. So, Motley Fool Japan, Motley Fool Hong Kong, coming later this year. Coming soon. Yeah, we're we're in the process of building out um, our capabilities in both those countries. We're very excited to be able to spread our purpose um, and to help investors in those countries invest better. Um, right now, we're in Canada, Germany, Singapore, Australia, and the UK, in addition, obviously, to the US. <laughs> um, and, and so, we're excited to be in, in an enormous market like Japan um, and uh, a really uh, smaller but um, really popular um, market like Hong Kong, where there's a very vibrant local um, investing culture, and you know the the Hong Kong Stock Exchange has um, done some innovative things with with China um, to allow investors in both countries to access um, stocks on on each other's markets, and so it really is um, you know a, a really interesting um, point in the world. The Hong Kong is, um, and and so yeah, we're excited. We're going to be in. You know, we're looking to form a team of those countries to serve investors in those countries, um, talking about stocks listed on those exchanges, um, and and thinking, you know, in, in their language, obviously. So, so full Japan will be in Japanese, and um, you know, hey, Japanese stocks are also at a 26-year high. So it's a good, it's a, it's. We're hopeful that it's a good time for people to be paying attention to the markets and. You know, to, to be receptive to our message of long-term, business-focused um, investing in in great companies and letting compounding do its do its thing. If you're on Twitter uh, and you want to get the latest on uh, Motley Fool Japan, Motley Fool Hong Kong, good news: there are Twitter accounts, so the, that's where that's where the updates are going to come. So at Motley Fool HK and at Motley Fool JP. I got that right, didn't I? You got that right. Oh, yep. Thank you. Thank goodness. Uh, hey, start of the year, everyone likes to think about how they can be smarter about their money. And one way you can do that is with Harry's. You can save about $100 a year if you're a frequent shaver. Uh, Harry's is a great shave at a good price. And that's why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's, including me, by the way. Uh, I've been a customer of Harry's for the past four years. And Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash fool. Just pay for the shipping. You got one face. That's what I always come back to. You got one face. Take care of your face, guys. Come on. The set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, which I'm almost out of. I really need to take advantage of this. I was shaving this morning. I was like, i got to get more of this gel. And a travel blade cover. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. Just cover the shipping to get your free trial sent. Go to harrys.com slash fool. That's harrys.com slash fool. Okay, so it wasn't all work when you were over there, or maybe it was, but I'm just curious. Whenever anyone travels, I like to get a sense of just a little bit of the local flavor, just something you did that was interesting, something you observed, maybe a great meal, something like that. Oh, yeah. It was mostly work. Um, but <laughs> uh, we did have some some fun uh, lunches and dinners and stuff like that. Um, 
Uh, I'll say one one interesting thing is that in um, in Tokyo, um, you can still smoke indoors, and uh, we had a meeting um, inside a cafe, uh, and it, it if you if you've ever walked by an airport smoking lounge, yes. Um, imagine sitting in there and conducting a business meeting <laughs> over coffee. <laughs> over coffee, where literally everyone around you is smoke chain smoking, um, and there are um, humidifiers and fans and things, uh, but it's 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 no good. After about <laughs> twenty minutes, I, I you know I, I I'm from Virginia, so so I grew up going into restaurants. It's leaving smelling like smoke, much less going into bars in college, and you know you, you got to wash your clothes when you get home that night. Right, and, and so it was a bit of a throwback, and I I forget I forget how uh, how bad that was <laughs> in those days. Um, yeah, so it, you know you'll be sitting at a nice teppanyaki restaurant, and what is teppanyaki? Um, it's uh, it's where they make the food. The, the the chef makes it in front of you on the grill. Oh, so, okay. Um, yeah, so you're sitting like in front of the chef, um, you know, th- 16 inches away from the from the grill, and the guy next to you is just puffing away on a cigarette. And it's really to throwback. Tokyo is so advanced in so many ways. Um, smoking indoors, though, I'm hope I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that they adopt the rest of the world's philosophy. You would on that. think at a at a minimum they would have just the best fans in the restaurant. It's like <laughs> yes, we're still letting people smoke indoors, but our exhaust systems are the envy of the civilized world. I mean, every toilet that you um, that you see in Tokyo has a, a, a sort of a, a Rube Goldberg. Uh, like remote control attached to it. It's got like heated seats. They all have bidets. I'm like, it's every hotel I've been in in Tokyo has these highly techno- technologically advanced toilets, and and yet no, they haven't invented the 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 smokers um, suction fan yet. But um, I'm not going to hold my breath. But uh, I'll, I'll cross my fingers next time. Fair enough. Uh, hey, speaking of local flavor. Thank you so much for the gift that you brought me. <laughs> because last week on Market Foolery, I was talking to Bill Mann, and one of the things we talked about was Pringles. And uh, it came up that uh, this was a topic from years ago that every once in a while people would, and Bill Mann would do this when he would travel internationally, he would, he would bring me. And, uh, and sure enough, I, I get to my desk at the beginning of the week, and there's a little can <laughs> of Pringles from Japan. And the flavor is the best part. The flavor is party chicken. Party chicken. Party, which, which, is, and I haven't tried them yet. I, I, I wanted to wait to talk um, to you first. It seems like it's fried chicken. I think it's fried chicken. Although the the label is not um, the label is, the it label has, doesn't provide a lot of clues. There's like a dancing chicken on it. Yeah, there's like a party hat. Yeah, yeah. But I sort of get that from the word party. <laughs> you know, so um, I got that. Uh, and I know that I know that the uh, the history of people bringing you fun fra- fun flavors of Pringles. So I thought I would I would uh, I would participate in that. Um, there's a store in Japan called Don Quixote, and it's pub- it's actually a publicly traded company. And I, I I believe they've actually the stock has done okay recently. Um, it's it's like an eight story. At least the one that I went to um, in Roppongi is like an eight story um, bazaar, and it has like Every it's like Kmart, 
mixed with big lots, mixed with five below, mixed with um, an ABC or a liquor store, um, mixed with like high fashion. It, it, you can buy everything from like toothpaste to luggage to fancy watches to there's literally a bottle of um, 18 year old Japanese whiskey selling for the equivalent of like 600 US dollars. Um, wow. And so anyway, I went there because you know I wanted to get some some Kit Kats and other uh, fun Japanese candy for um, for my kids, and uh, I went to, specifically went to see what Pringles they had, and um, they had a pretty good selection. I think Party Chicken was the most novel flavor. Which I'm is very excited, and it, it reminded me um, that uh, party's just a great word as an adjective. <laughs> just I was I was saying to uh, um, our marketing team, I said, have we ever thought? Have we ever thought about like maybe not necessarily a, an investing service, but like a report, like a one-time stock report, and just calling it party stocks? And they were like, oh, "No." I was like, but, <laughs> "But at least grant me that that's a fun name. It's a like, fun name. You're going to get people intrigued. It's like, well, I'm not saying I'm going to buy this report, but give, <laughs> give, give me some more information about party stocks." Um, Reminder that uh, we're coming to San Francisco. We're having a, a podcast listener meetup on Wednesday, February seventh. At the Golden Gate Tap Room, that's on Powell Street in downtown San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to be there. Christine Harges from Industry Focus, uh, Matt Greer, Dan Boyd, our man behind the glass, uh, Matt Argusinger, Abby Mallon, a whole bunch of fools. So, if you're in the San Francisco area, we would love to see you. That's Wednesday, February 7th. You can drop an email to marketfoolery at fool.com. We're going to be sending out a reminder email right before the event. Uh, and again, if you're on the Twitter, at Motley Fool HK and at Motley Fool JP for all the latest news and all the updates that are coming later this year about Motley Fool Hong Kong and Motley Fool Japan. Brian Richards, thanks so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Japan.
and good.